Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Archangels, Ghosts, and Bigfoot, oh my, it's just another night for Supernatural Girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now, for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others. Here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girl. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker, and I'm here with my co-host all the way from Tucson, PK, Patricia Kirkman. What's going on? We're just enjoying such a lovely day. It is just unbelievable. It's cool, nice breeze. I felt like it was someplace else other than Tucson. <laughs> <laughs> I know so you've been roasted out there. Tell you the weather's fabulous. Oh, God. Well, that's nice. And I have to share, it was great here, too. It was in the 70s, like the high 70s, almost 80 degrees mm-hmm. here today. We'll take it because we know what's coming, right, around oh, the corner. for sure. I don't want to even for think sure. about it. don't want to think about it. But anyways, yes, it's nice to have one of those very special, special days. So, Tell us. Now, we've got a lot to talk about today. We've got to get back to the New Mexico Observatory. We have more to tell about right. that. That's a, still a mystery, but we've got a little more, bit more information on it. But you have a lot to say about all of the earth changes going on, this big major Category 4 Well, everything, everything is absolutely ridiculous because the unexpected is to be expected, period. Remember that this is a three universal month, and the three always deals with creativity, communications of all forms. Creativity dealing with our weather has been way off the charts. We knew that was coming. But right. we're looking at a bridge period this month that deals with four, which deals with land and property and problems with or because of. And boy, are we seeing problems with it for the majority of people. Even the, uh, the uh, West Coast, is getting some static, but the East Coast, my goodness gracious, between what's coming up from Florida and then now we're going to take a look at the Carolinas going to be hit again, it makes you just kind of wonder, what did they do wrong? No, they didn't do a thing wrong. It boils down to they've had a pretty darn good time for a while, but everything is, it's like it's all compacted and it's all coming in at one time. If you look at some of the years past, it's been working up to this issue for some time. I talked to someone, they said they were having some real issues because they were overly sensitive and they didn't do it. I said, nobody said anyone did it. It's called weather. 
Whether we <laughs> yeah. like it or not, we've got it. That's about the size of it. But well, there's this fringe period of, of what's going on right now. There's so many changes that are going to be taking place over the next three months that it's going to be very, very surprising. People think that this is just going to be kind of a bump in the road. It's going to be a lot more than that because we're going to be given information throughout the year that's going to be kind of eye-opening and make everybody stick their head up in the air and go, wait a minute, what's been going on here? But with that taking place between now and the end of the year, we have a bridge period that's dealing with major changes, good to bad, bad to good, and change is coming very quickly. Threes and fives are very lucky. They have a good luck factor to it. But like any time Lady Luck sticks her head up, there's also the flip side. So people are going to have to really pay attention. Don't assume because it's going smoothly that you're going to really make it. Today, dealing with the details of things, take a look at what happened to the stock market today. Holy cow. Mm-hmm. So Yes, that was a shock. Oh, I know it. Ride the waves, folks. For just, and I don't mean the one coming in off the waterways, but nonetheless, <laughs> be careful. Yes, exactly. Well, you know, didn't Absolutely Edgar Casey crazy. predict this? He was saying that the whole coastline <laughs> of the United States was going to be underwater, and we're coming close to that. It's really, really kind of scary. And our buddy, George Lugo, he's down there in the thick of it. So, George, we really That's hope right. you're okay. Yeah, I called him yesterday, and I called him again this morning. He said, oh, it's just a little overcast right now, but the bridge <laughs> isn't too good where we live. And I thought, oh, dear Lord. So uh, he better be right. <laughs> yeah, he better be, or he's never going to hear the end of it from us, that's for sure, because, you know, we that's both encouraged sure. <laughs> him. Go to higher ground. So, anyways, we all wish him the best, him and Serafina. We hope they're okay because they're dear friends of ours, and we want them to be safe. So let's revisit the New Mexico Observatory issue. Now, we've been, right. talking, about it, right? we've been talking about it for the last three weeks. Mm-hmm. And basically, a quick overview of what happened. For those of you who may not have heard about it, there is an observatory in New Mexico called the Sunspot Observatory. And several weeks ago, the FBI showed up, Black Hawk mm-hmm. helicopters started circling overhead, and they shut the observatory down. They also evacuated the area and shut down two nearby post offices. And people in the area were reporting a strange smell. So we went digging, and what we heard from a number of people in the underground is that there are facilities deep underground in New Mexico, 14 stories down and more. And they're all connected by tunnels. And apparently what we were told happened, and Ken, I can't confirm it, you can't confirm it, but it kind of feels right given what happened after, is that an ET who was being kept down there escaped. So that would account for this big rush of FBI agents, if they even were FBI agents, who knows, And the shutting down of the observatory, the evacuation of the area. And strangely enough, there was also a death. A Belgian Mm -hmm. tourist who was hiking on the White Sands Trail was found unresponsive at night when the rangers saw a car, a parked car, in the parking lot. And they went looking, they found him, and he was unresponsive. And then apparently later he died. 
So that man's name has not been released. Right. That's a very Mr. Strange. No Name. Yeah. Mr. No he Name. Has, his name has not been released, and there has been no cause of death released. Now, that is extremely odd because, as you all may, may recall, there was a French couple who died on that trail also. Maybe, I don't know if it was this year or last year, but they released their names, the cause of death, no big deal. Everybody mm-hmm. was sad about it, but, it, you know, this is what happens if you don't go prepared on those desert trails. Well, why is this man's name being withheld? Why is there no coroner's report? And we've been calling the newspapers in that area, and they have mm-hmm. not been told a thing. Also, law enforcement in the area is furious because they have not been provided with what was really going on, and they said, how are we supposed to basically take care of our people if we don't know what the threat is? Right. They were totally left out of the loop. Now, what came out as the cover story was that the janitor was involved with disseminating pornography over their wireless Internet. Well, apparently they, the local law enforcement, knew something about this was going on or something similar to this was going on quite some time ago. So there was certainly no need for Black Hawk helicopters if this was the case. There have been no charges filed against this person, nothing more about it, and so it's like, don't pay attention. There's nothing going on over here. But we know different. Now, mm-hmm. the last guest we had that gave us information about it was two weeks ago, and it was your friend Lowell, PK. Right. And he did agree with George, who was on the air with me as you, when you went to California. And both of them said <clears throat> that they felt the ET was involved in the Belgian tour's demise, whether it was on purpose or by accident. But when I spoke to Lowell later on, because he didn't want to go ahead and just announce this at this time, he also felt that the ET was still running loose and that the man maybe could have been resuscitated, but they didn't do it. So maybe he was a loose end. If that's the case, it's a very sad situation all the way around. But, PK, I know that when you did the numbers for this, you were very clear about saying whatever we're being told by the government, it's going to be a lie. Mm-hmm. So That's right. You're right. And it was. Right. And I've checked with my associates who are in law enforcement, and they laughed at the cover story, said it's embarrassing that they threw out a cover story like that. So whatever is going on over there, we do not have the truth from the authorities. And, mm-hmm. again, all the all of our people, all of our associates, all of the people that we know in the underground and who have law enforcement training have been in touch with us, and they've all said that there there's a big, big hush-hush on this whole event, and I'm sure they're hoping it's all going to go away. But we're still looking into it. We hope to someday be able to verify some of this with people who are on site or people who can talk about it without risking their lives or the lives of their family, because mm-hmm. we know that's happened before. Right. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And the way they've set things up, that poor janitor is never going to get another job again because of the what they I, say he was guilty oh, of. My God, poor guy. Ah, what's up with that? I mean, I, look, whatever he was doing, if he was doing something like that, it's terrible. But, I mean, it didn't warrant, this cover story did not warrant no. the types of things that people saw no. when they were there. It certainly doesn't account for that strange smell, but... As you know, no uh, black hawk um, helicopters. Right. And so, you know, and we have heard from some of our guests that have had 
experiences with ETs that some of them emit an odor. And that's mm-hmm. what people were talking about in the area is a strange odor. So anyways, uh, we can only speculate. None of this is confirmed, but we keep, again, looking into this. And if any of our listeners have more information, feel free to contact us. We'd be happy to talk to you about it. And we are on the website, supernaturalgirlswithaz.com. You can email both of us there. And what else are we doing? We're just doing so many cool things. You're doing your numerology readings for people individually. Teaching classes. And you're doing dreams. Doing the dream analysis stuff for people. So we're doing fun stuff. Feel free to contact us. We'd love to hear from our listeners. So we've got a great guest tonight. Oh, don't we though. She's local to me. I am so thrilled to have Ellen. How can you get all this stuff? I don't know. Well, you do, too. You've got a lot of people in Tucson that we've had on the show, too. But now this this lovely lady is in my neck of the woods, and this is Ellen Everett Hopman. We're going to bring her on in just a couple of minutes. We're going to be talking about the real witches of New England and also some of the history about Salem, the witch trials in Europe. She's going to tie it all together for us, and we're going to hear what witches today are doing. So we're going to bring her on in a couple of minutes, but... We found a couple articles, one of them that is absolutely involved with witchcraft. And what they're saying is witchcraft is growing by leaps and bounds because Mm -hmm. between 1990 and 2008, the last year they collected data, the number of Wiccans in the U.S. grew from 8,000 to over 340,000. That's quite a jump, and that's only until 2008. They said there's also a rise in the number of witches who identify specifically as feminist witches. We're going to find out what that is. Coupled with the rising popularity of witchcraft and Wicca-related social media. So we're going to find out what's behind all of this. According to this article, it has a lot to do with people being feeling very disenfranchised from traditional religion. So we're going to ask. Ellen, what she thinks of that rise in the number of witches in, in actually just the United States is what they looked at. But I wonder if it's right. worldwide. We're going to find out. I would think then, so. I would think so. I would too. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, it's had a long tradition in Europe, certainly. Mm-hmm. But uh, before us, way before us. <laughs> mm-hmm. so. And the other article that we found that was kind of neat, and this is from your neck of the woods out in Phoenix. It's on, all of this is on our Facebook page. So make sure you go there, give us a like and a follow so you can keep up with all the great paranormal news that we're posting. And this is about three college students in Phoenix that reported a supernatural experience on Dreamy Draw Mountain. Do you know where that is, PK? No, I've never seen it, but I'm going to check it out now. Yeah, take a look. So anyways, I guess it's, it's outside of Phoenix somewhere. So anyways, they were having a terrible day, and they were hiking. They looked up, and on this mountain they saw this man in a robe, and when they went towards him, he disappeared. Mm-hmm. So when they, they got up there, it, it, they said it was a Jesus-like figure, and they found this envelope with three $100 bills in it, so it was one mm-hmm. for each of them, and they believed it was a miracle. Now, they had found this envelope stashed between a few rocks, and mm-hmm. it was signed the letter J. So 
of course, people are questioning them and thinking they made it up. And now they have said what they plan to do with the money is to pay it forward and give it to somebody who needs it more than them, which is a nice thing to do. But mm-hmm. it, it's a very interesting experience. So you're going to have to go up to that dreamy draw mountain see if you can find some money. <laughs> well, I think the neat part is that there were three girls and there were three $100 bills. Yeah, that's very cool. Mm-hmm. So you need to go up there. Somebody a knew they times. were coming. Possibly. <laughs> Possibly. So nobody knows who this person was in the robe. There are some people who are saying, oh, they made it up. But again, skeptics, they yeah. stick their heads up, whatever. So I don't know. But it's an interesting story. It's at least an uplifting story, which we like to hear once in a while. So very cool stuff going on in your neck of the woods, PK. Yeah, I'm going to have to make a trip that direction to see what it's all I about. I'm going to look for envelopes. Oh, definitely. Look in between those rocks like they did. Definitely. (laughs) cool. With me, I'd fall between the rocks. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, tonight, I can't wait to get our guest on. She is really, she's very knowledgeable, extremely knowledgeable. And she's written a great book called The Real Witches of New England. And she's interviewed just hundreds of witches in New England. And she's also got the history behind it. Some of these witches are actual descendants of people who were hung as witches in Salem. So, excuse me, we're going to hear all about that. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Ellen Everett Hopman, because she's not a witch herself. She is a founding member of the Order of the White Oak, an archdruidess of the tribe of the Oak, and a member of the Grey Council of Mages and Sages. And she's the author of several books. She's got several more coming out, but she herself is a Druid priestess. And so we're going to find out what that is exactly and all about witches in New England. So, Ellen, welcome to the show. It would help if I made her microphone hot. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, now you're live, Ellen. How are you? Hi, thank you for inviting me. (laughs) Yay, she's here. Yes, yeah, so just with the click of a button, there she is. <laughs> Great book that you've written, and we really enjoyed it. Now, tell us the difference between being a druid and being a witch. What is a druid? Ah, well, that's a huge subject, and I could spend an entire weekend talking just about that. But um, I'm a Celtic Reconstructionist druid, and that means that we look back to the Celts, the ancient Celts, and the way they did things. And, um, you know, there's many different kinds of Druids, which makes things even more complicated. Um, You have people who say, I love trees, I love nature, therefore I'm a Druid. That's one flavor of Druid. Um, You have other Druids who say, do whatever you want, you can be a Druid. Um, Celtic Reconstructionists, uh, we take it a little more seriously than that. We expect people to have actual training. And um, if you go to my website, ellenevertthopman.com, you'll see a link there to Tribe of the Oak, and that's a Druid teaching program. Uh, Most people take at least three years to learn the basics, and then, of course, you spend the rest of your life uh, studying this. But in ancient times, uh, the Druids were the intellectuals, and uh, they're called the people of arts within the Celtic tribes. So they were judges, uh, lawyers, doctors, 
singers, genealogists, historians, philosophers. You know, they were people who had, they were people of learning. Mm-hmm. And it took 20 years to become a Druid. And the Druid um, also knew the laws and the precedents. So the Druid was the advisor to the king. And we still remember this. We have Merlin and Arthur in you know modern folk tradition. We know about mm-hmm. Merlin. We know about Arthur. That's the classic Druid-King relationship. And it's just our folk memory of that. Um, they were called the two kidneys of the kingdom. The king could not function without a Druid because the king didn't know the laws. The king was a warrior, which means that he spent his his childhood, his upbringing, learning how to cut off people's heads and, you know, bash people with swords. That's what the king was really good at. And the king had to be ritually elevated to sacred status, just like we see today in the coronation rituals that you see in Britain. You still see that. Somebody has to elevate the person to become the monarch. Well, the Druid was the one who elevated the king. Um, But an interesting thing is in ancient times, uh, the kings were elected, and they could be fired. Wow. Yeah, so there was never this idea that, you know, you had a son and your son became king. It was never like that. Every time they needed a new king, they had to have a big election, and the Druids were ambassadors and lawyers and judges and politicians, and you can be sure that they were, uh, you know, running around trying to influence votes, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, like so today, huh? the witch, the witch <laughs> yeah, is a right. whole other thing. Um, the Druid always worked for the tribe, so you always knew where the Druids stood. You knew where their loyalty was. The loyalty was going to be to the ruler, whoever the ruler was. If the Druid did battle magic, they were going to do it, you know, on behalf of the ruler, of the the ruler du jour, whoever was king at the time. So you knew exactly where the Druid stood. With the witch, it was a different story. The witch was solitary. The witch was not connected to the ruler. Uh, the The witch was a law unto him or herself. That made them very scary because you did not know whose side they were on because, you know, they did what they what they wanted. And that was very scary. And even in ancient times, people were terrified of witches. Um, And the witch also was usually working for the common people. You know, the Druid was working with the nobility and the rulers. The witch was in the village uh, acting as the veterinarian counselor, herbalist. Um, you know, doing magic if necessary. But again, they were a law unto themselves, and that made them very scary. I bet. So they were intimidated by the witches because of that. But the witches also had their own groups, didn't they, covens or not? Yes, uh, witches, you know, they like to get together and talk to their friends, sure. Um, (laughs) They had covens. But, uh, you know, thousands of years ago, I'm not sure. We don't have anything written down about what was happening 2,000 years ago. The idea of the covens, I think that's more of a medieval idea. But, you know, Mm -hmm. well, witches weren't even women until 1450 or so. I mean, they weren't, nobody thought of a witch as female until then. I I mean, in the book, yeah. In the book, I, I start with the Bronze Age, uh, the, when the Old Testament was being written, 
and I go from there through the witch persecutions all the way up to Salem, and then I interview the descendants of the Salem witches, and then I interview modern witches. But, um, you know, the Bronze Age, 1400 B.C., uh, when the Old Testament was being written, that's the first written accounts of witches that we have, and I'm sure it was they went back much further than that. But um, in the Old Testament, that's where you get, Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. That's in Exodus and Leviticus a man also or woman that hath a familiar spirit or that is a wizard shall surely be put to death. They shall stone them with stones. Their blood shall be upon them. Lovely. but mm, Not nice. But, oh, yeah. boy. But we don't, we don't even know if they were talking about witches because the word witch, um, King James was terrified of witches, and there was a reason for that. So in the King James Version of the Bible, uh, the word witch comes in, but the the original word may have been poisoner. Ah, and another, yeah, another possibility is whisperer. You know, thou shalt not suffer a whisperer to live because mm-hmm. there were people mm-hmm. who whispered spells. Um, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. When you were talking about 1400s, when it changed, and that was a time of major changes. Period. So well, it was yeah, all about. Around the Black Death, uh, the Gutenberg mm-hmm. Bible had just been invented. I mean, the Gutenberg Press, which led to the Gutenberg Bible. And um, what happened was, um, for the first thousand years of Christianity, uh, nobody was worried about witches. It just wasn't anything because Augustine, Saint Augustine, wrote about this. He said, "Only God has power uh, to believe in a witch is just heresy and it's silly." Um, because there, you can't possibly have a person who's out there doing magic. It just doesn't. And I think a lot of people today have that attitude. You know, magic doesn't mm-hmm. exist. You know, so for a thousand years, everything was very calm. And then what happened, and I love this, and I said, you know, I didn't learn this until I did the research, but at the turn of the millennium, they had their Y1K hysteria, you know, just like we had with Y2K. They, the mm-hmm. same thing happened. Mm-hmm. The calendar was, was changing, and everybody went crazy, and they didn't have computers. So they said, oh, it must be the devil is going to come. You know, it's going to be the year 1000. As soon as the calendar, as soon as the clock turned, chimes midnight on the year 999, you know, and the calendar flips, the devil is going to appear. And so everybody went crazy. And um, then this kind of panic set in, and everybody was sure they were going to see the devil, and that was very scary. But at that time, they thought if there were witches, obviously these were very educated people. If they could do magic, they must be extremely smart and educated. Therefore, they must be men, because women. <laughs> oh, see, women are not they right. did it again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, women are women are not educated, and they're not that smart, so they must be men. Uh-huh. So, so that went on until, um, let's see, I can tell you the exact year. The Black Death happened in 1348 to 1350, and, of course, um, witches, heretics, and Jews were blamed for that. Um, and then another interesting thing happened after the Black Death. So many people died in, in Europe that there was a labor shortage, 
and people started demanding better benefits and better pay. And so the rulers that had, yeah, so yeah. The, that's, that's what I saw all through this. I mean, you know, those who fail to study history are doomed to repeat it. I just, it's such a parallel with, with what's, what we're living through. But anyway, so they had to find a way to keep people scared. So, um, you know, to control them. So, uh, so Christians were told that the Black Death happened because of a conspiracy between witches, heretics, Jews, and Satan. That, mm-hmm. That's so everybody was terrified. And then the the uh, Gutenberg press gets uh, invented, and that of course caused the spreading of ideas, you know, to happen. The the invention of the Guten of the press was just as um, important at that time as the invention of the Internet was for us, you know, because all oh, of wow. them, well, they had this media that they, you know, people never had books. <laughs> if a king had five right. books, that was considered a library, you know, and all of a sudden there were books. So in the year 1475, a man named Johannes Nieder publishes a book called Formicarius, and this is right after the Gutenberg Press is invented. Now he says women are uneducated and more and inferior physically, mentally, and morally. Therefore, they are more susceptible to the devil. Therefore, more likely to be witches. Wow! Amazing. And that that didn't oh. happen until 1475. Yep. Gosh! Wow! Well. I, you know, this is a terrible thing, I have to say, in, in terms of how they were able to twist all of this to manipulate mm-hmm. people and to keep them afraid and then to persecute a certain group. And that's certainly what has happened. It's happened to a number of groups throughout history, but certainly witches are renowned for this type of treatment mm-hmm. and culminating in the Salem hysteria that went on, at least in this country. You know, this also went on in Europe, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, it went on in Europe for hundreds and hundreds of years. And what happened was when people came to the colonies, when they came to America, they just brought their ideas with them, you know, so that they already had in the back of their mind that women were witches primarily um, and that the Satan was out there ready to get you at any moment. And they had that in their mind. And so when they came here, um, they, they didn't know how to farm. I have to say the climate has already changed. I've been here 30 years, and I've already seen the climate change. We are not in the same zone as we were when I moved here. We used to be Zone 5. I think we're now Zone 6 or maybe even Zone 7. So the growing season is a lot longer than it was. But for them, they had real winters. They had no idea how to grow things in New England. Very acid soil, very short growing season. Um, and they were starving, and they were completely dependent on ships full of grain and other foods coming from England, and they were miserable. And it was a very small colony, and everybody knew everybody. And if you've ever lived in a neighborhood where neighbors were fighting with each other... uh, (laughs) Oh, yes. Yeah, well, that's basically what it was, because when you start looking into the individual stories of you know, why somebody was accused of being a witch, 
it comes down to things like uh, in Northampton, the Witch of Northampton, uh, Mary Bliss Parsons, she was A, good-looking, so that was enough to make the other women mad to begin with. She had That's 11 right. children, and her children, almost all of her children survived, whereas her neighbor's children were dying left and right. Mm-hmm. So they said, oh, she must be a witch. Mm. And you know, it's like that. Yeah, and you look at each individual story. Um, if somebody was a widow and they were dependent on the community all of a sudden, uh, that's what happened in Hadley. The community was not happy because they had to pay, you know, it's like welfare. <laughs> you have people mm-hmm. who don't like welfare and they don't want food stamps and they don't want fuel assistance and they're, they're happy to have people homeless on the street. Well, these, these uh, the colonists were no different. The church was telling them that they had to take care of the widow because that was a Christian thing to do, but that meant that they had to give her food, they had to give her blankets, you know, whatever, make sure she had wood, and they resented it. So that was a Times problem. Times haven't changed much, have they? No, yeah, nasty you know, people, yeah. Right, well, that's what I mean. It's like, as I studied this, no, the horrifying fact <laughs> is that people have not changed uh, we're still li- now. It's immigrants, you know. Now the mm-hmm. immigrant is the the great the person you're supposed to be afraid of, and they're out to get you. And you know, we're building concentration camps all along the border, and um, people barely talk about that. But that's what we're doing. We've built these concentration camps, and um, well, you know, how and, about and, witches today, though? I mean, in terms of now, haven't haven't witches come a long way in being accepted into society or not? At this moment, yes. Okay, and I think that's because of Harry Potter and because of Charmed, Mm -hmm. you know, and Mm -hmm. the Hollywood media. You know, it it started happening in the 1930s. There were already a few witch movies. But, you know, it picked up steam, and now it's normal to have witches on TV, you know, bewitched and all these different things, and people gradually got uh, comfortable with the idea of witches. But the thing that worries me is I think it could turn in a moment. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I I really do. And a couple of things have happened recently that worried me a lot. Um, Uh Uh-oh. Well, the Pope Pope, uh, was talking just last week or the week before it was very recently about the pedophile situation in the catholic church and mm-hmm. instead of naming the the bishops and the priests that were responsible and you know t- instead of saying that that these people were behaving inappropriately his response was it was the devil trying to trying to break up the church, trying to divide the church. So instead of looking at the men who were doing this, uh, he's, tr- he's bringing up the fear of the devil. And as soon as I heard that, ha- having just written this book and knowing what can happen when people are terrified, they think the devil is coming, right? The minute I heard that, I said, uh-oh, you know, that's the last thing we need. And then you have the current resident of the White House who likes to use the word witch hunt a lot. Mm-hmm. And that makes me nervous. because I never thought about that. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, but the thing is this, it's, uh, it's so fascinating to me because I agree with you. History does repeat itself. However, what we're seeing now in society is that a lot of people have tuned out to mass media. A lot of people are leaving traditional religion because of this type of response from the Pope Mm -hmm. rather than taking responsibility and holding these people accountable. So what is interesting, and especially for PK and I doing a show like this, is we hear from a lot of people all the time that aren't buying it. You know, they're they're saying that not buying it this time. And so they're not drinking the Kool-Aid. They're not getting caught up in this kind of thing. And it's a, it's, it's a real enlightened consciousness that appears to be Mm -hmm. coming out, which is, Greatly appreciated at this point in time. So it's hope. Right. But I heard what you said earlier in the show. You were talking about that newspaper article. I I also saw it. The article said that there are more witches now than there are Presbyterians. Uh huh. Somebody asked me on Facebook, what's a Presbyterian? Like, I couldn't believe it. But that answered that question, didn't it? Yeah, well, Presbyterians are a branch of Protestantism, I guess you would say, you know, like Lutherans or whatever. They're, but but the, the most people in America are still, um, they still consider themselves Christians or evangelicals. That's still most people. So, yes, there are people who are a little more, uh, tolerant, shall we say, <laughs> of other paths and, um, you know, a little more understanding of, you know, seeing the divine in many places, not just in one place, but in nature and in other religions and in other people. <laughs> and, you know, there are a few people like that. But but the evangelicals are still the the, the number one American group. Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting, but even so, what again? What what we're seeing in in our network, anyways, and again, we're yeah. we're our audience is filled with really. I have to compliment our audience because we have the Very. most intelligent audience ever in radio, and not only that, but they're real tolerant and they love to share their 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 experiences and their feelings about things. But I hear mm-hmm. a level of tolerance that I haven't heard before many years in the making i think so even people who have identified with the catholic church in the past or still do i mean i'm still hearing now a whole new level of tolerance about hey you know if you want to do this or worship in this way that's fine but actually how much of this against witches is really about the practice of witchcraft and how much of it is about something else because aren't there other things behind this persecution? Well, yeah, of course. It's just like today. It's about controlling people. You have to keep people frightened. I mean, there mm-hmm. were, I mean, King James, as I mentioned, he was genuinely terrified of witches. And that was because um, when he was on his way to get married, he, he, he was in a boat and there was a huge storm. And somebody told him that it was a storm that was raised by witches and he believed it. Um, and then it happened again, so it happened to him twice, <laughs> and he was he was convinced that it was witches, you know. But in general, I mean, when you look at what happened, like I said, after the Black Death, um, you know, I I just think it was a a way to control people. You you have to have somebody that that you're afraid of, and when I looked at even 
it, it didn't occur to me until after I wrote the book, but even it, if you look at World War II, look at the people that Hitler was targeting, okay? In mm-hmm. the, during the witch persecutions, if you lived in a Protestant country, chances are you'd be burning Catholics. And if you lived in a Catholic country, chances are you'd be burning Protestants. So, uh, and then everybody was burning Jews and gypsies and homosexuals and witches, or I, I should say accused witches, because um, not all of them were witches. And, right. and then along, uh, Hitler's mm-hmm. in Germany, which is predominantly Protestant, so what does he do? He's, he's um, arresting uh, Catholic clergy, Jews, Gypsies, mm-hmm. homosexuals. I mean, it was like right. he was yeah. he was carrying on, you know, that the fine tradition. He just took yes, it absolutely. to a whole other level because he mechanized the process. Right. You, oh, you definitely. know, if they had had that the kind of gas that he had in the 1500s, I'm sure they would have done the same thing. They just didn't have that ability today. Exactly. But. <laughs> But it's, you know, it seems to me when I look at some of the people who were accused of witchcraft back in the day of the Salem trials, uh, wasn't it also because people wanted their property? Well, that was just one reason. That was one reason. Mm-hmm. If you had, an, you know, an old widow and she inherited a nice farm uh, and, you know, then her kids or or her her nephews and nieces, maybe she didn't have children, maybe her nephews and nieces wanted her farm, and they thought, well, let's accuse her of witchcraft. But but when I looked at, when I dug down and looked at the actual stories, um, it, it's, it's, sometimes it's about land, but it's about much sillier things than that. There was, uh, there was a group of people who liked to sit on the common and drink sack, which is a type of, of booze, and they would get drunk, and then they would get loud, and they would keep up the neighbors. You know, they're they're loud. They're sitting there under the full moon, drunk, having a good time, and pissing everybody off. So they got accused of being witches. Uh, there was another group that liked to play a game called Skittles, which I'm not even sure what Skittles is. <laughs> but uh, they <laughs> were accused of being witches. <laughs> and, <laughs> Or if you, you know, the common land was supposed to be for everybody, so there was this one guy who um, started building his barn, and part of his barn was on the common land. Oh, my God, he was a witch. Or if you if you were yeah, in the colony and you st- if you started losing things, like you couldn't find your shovel and uh, you couldn't find maybe your axe, and then there was this one case of exploding sausages, which I haven't seen explained anywhere, but somebody's sausages were exploding. So they said, oh, it must be witchcraft. So then you have to figure out which neighbor it is, you know. Or if your cow dies, suppose your cow gets sick and drops dead in the front yard. That happened. So then you had to assume it was the old woman next door. She must have done it. She must have been a witch. Or, uh, you know, know how horses are very skittish, and I don't know Mm -hmm. if you've ever ridden horseback, but some horses, yeah, well, some horses, they'll shy at the most ridiculous things, you know. The, yeah. They go by a fence, and it's too aggressively white. It's painted white, and all of a sudden they rear, like, oh, my God, you know. So that there's this one woman in Hadley, and there must have been something going on on her road, because when the horses would go by, they would shy. 
or they would just stop and refuse to go any further. Um, so everybody decided she must be a witch. So so much hmm. of this is just ignorance, right? Ignorance and being able to wield this kind of power is is a yeah. very, very serious thing. I mean, for these ignorant people to be able to use a term like witch and throw it around at anybody they didn't like, that's a really dangerous thing. But it worked. That was it the did. thing. It worked. And the more they did it, the more others thought they could get away with it. And they did. Well, they had been sad. doing it for centuries. They'd been doing mm-hmm. it for 2,000 years. It All wasn't right. a new thing. This has been going on in Europe. I mean, in the book, I go country by country, and I talk about mm-hmm. what happens, you know. And, um, I mean, the thing, what I think was really going on, as I said, is that it was a small colony. Everybody knew everybody. They were hungry. They were scared. You know, they were surrounded by forest. Uh, they were being attacked by Indians. They had a very bad diet. They were dependent on, on Europe for their food. It took a long time before they could actually grow their own crops to be self-sufficient. So they were Mm -hmm. constantly scared. They didn't know if they were going to survive. And they were upset. They were upset with their neighbors, you know. They were were anxious. Um, It was just like a really bad neighborhood where everybody was trapped (laughs) and scared. (laughs) What a horrible, horrible thing. Mm. Oh, my God. Well, We are going to take a very short commercial break. We're going to come back and let's talk about witches today because you've interviewed so many and there's Mm -hmm. so many different practices and ways of approaching this. So we want to hear about all of it. And we are just going to take a couple minutes and play these ads and we'll be right back. You are listening to Supernatural Girls Radio. We'll be back. Are you ready for a new experience of freedom and powerful connection? Would you like a positive, effortless change in your life? Then come to CosmicFusion.com, where we offer the most advanced energy clearing and expansion techniques in the world with a quantum vortex energy to activate your divine blueprint and life's purpose. When your soul leads the way with cosmic fusion and quantum vortex energy, you can break clear of past difficulties and blocks with the power of the source. With Cosmic Fusion, the source energy does the work for you. It's easy and effortless. Listen to our free meditation right from our Cosmic Fusion website, the Cosmic Code Meditation. Sign up for one of our interactive webinars today. Come to Cosmic Fusion, www.kosmicfusion.com to experience an effortless awakening and transformation. Are you ready for an upgrade? Are you ready for a new experience of living in the fifth dimensional magic and powerful connection? Then visit CosmicFusion.com today. CosmicFusion.com Astridian is a family of cosmetic products with 98% pure ionized minerals. We combine our science with a blend of essential oils to nourish and take care of your skin's health. How does it work? All Astridian products contain the proprietary redox technology, having the capability of simulating an ionic zinc-copper superoxide dismutase effect. This free radical scavenger currently in your body has been diminished by toxins and the daily stresses of life. It is a perfectly balanced mineral complex that all $200 an hour dermatologists, their professors, and ancient history have proven. 
Redox technology is a process of reducing the skin's oxidation by transferring electrons from a radical state to a stress-free normal condition. Oxidative stress is a form of cellular aging and, as science has proven, a precursor to disease. The free radical theory of aging states that organisms age because cells accumulate free radical damage over time. Damaged cells are not beautiful, but healthy cells are. The Estrudium family is presented in four different uses that cover unique benefits to your body. They are the Essential Anti-Aging Series, the Multivitamin Series, Sports Series, and Professional Series. Regain your youth with the power of Estrudium. Visit www.estrudium.com and inquire. Use the code SUPERNATURAL and receive a 10% discount on your first purchase. Estrudium, the beauty of being healthy. Your property tax bill. Have you seen it lately? It's frightening. Your property taxes are going up while your home value is going down. It's time to fight back and win. For the real truth about the property tax system, get attorney Pat Quintilian's book, Are You Getting Screwed on Your Property Taxes? How to Find Out and How to Fix It. Attorney Quintilian answers all your questions and gives you the facts you need to fight a property tax bill that is spiraling out of control. You'll also read about what happens to property owners who don't check their property records, only to find out too late they're taxed on square footage, fixtures, and even buildings that they don't own. Is this happening to you? Learn your rights. Buy Attorney Pat Quintilian's book today. Are you getting screwed on your property taxes? How to find out and how to fix it. Available on Amazon.com. Welcome back, everyone, to Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker. I'm here with my co-host, PK, and our terrific guest tonight, Ellen Everett Hoffman. She's the author of a great new book called The Real Witches of New England. So, Ellen, tell us about witches today. Now, obviously, at least from this article, the numbers have grown considerably, and you've interviewed quite a few. So was there anything that you found very surprising in your interviews? Well, a lot of them are (laughs) ex-Catholics. That was kind of interesting. (laughs) Yeah, most of them are are ex-Catholics, at least the ones that that I spoke to. And, I mean, I did interview a lot of people, but I didn't put everybody's interview in the book because some people are more articulate than others, you know. And mm-hmm. if, if, if somebody just gave me a one-word answer, you know, I, I couldn't use it. And I, <laughs> yeah, and I would ask them, I'd say, could you please elaborate on that? And they couldn't, you know. Um, so, oh, no. So the people, that, yeah, the people in the book are the people that are the most verbal and, and articulate. Um, but, uh, yeah, I... Everybody has certain things in common. They everybody seems to follow roughly the same wheel of the year, the holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, most people seem to come from Catholic upbringings, which is interesting um, because the Catholic religion, you know, has the candles, the incense, the robes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Do you so, think the pa- pageantry of the Catholic Church has a lot to do with why? Oh yeah, the I mean, I found the same thing. I I wrote a book called The Legacy of Druids, which was interviews mm-hmm. with Druid leaders, um, and, and I ran all over Britain interviewing Druids and Canada and the U.S. And the same thing. Most of them were Catholic. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Yeah, it is. Since I was considered a renegade Catholic, yeah, I was raised Catholic, but I become more open to all things. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Surprise, surprise. (laughs) Yeah, so that was one thing. (laughs) Trying to think if there was anything else. I mean, I've been hanging around with witches uh, for 30 years, so there wasn't that much that really surprised me, I guess. What what drew you to this? What was your reasoning to start? What was your reasoning to start, shall we say, the uh, the checking and looking into the witchcraft? What drew you well, to that? Yeah, I mean, I, like most of my friends, a lot of my friends are witches. Um, but what happened was I went to a poetry reading in Wendell, Massachusetts, at Deja Brew Coffee House, which doesn't exist anymore. And there was a poet there named Mike Mowry, and he read this poem about the Witch of Hadley. And I quote, you know, a portion of the poem. It's a very long poem. And I have a little bit of it in the book. Um, But he was talking about uh, Mary Webster, the Witch of Hadley. She's called Half-Hanged Mary because uh, they hung her by the neck and then they took her down the next morning and they threw her in a snowbank assuming she was dead, but she wasn't dead. And she picked herself up. She, She walked home and she lived for another 11 years. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, Mary oh, Webster God. of Hadley. So anyway, he's reading this poem, right? And I've been a pagan for, you know, since 1984. That's when I had my, my I officially became a Druid, but I was a pagan before that, but officially since 1984. And I, I had never heard of Half-Hanged Mary, and I live literally <laughs> 17 minutes away from her grave. And I, I found out she's buried at Old Hadley Cemetery. So... After I heard that poem, I was floored, and I was working in Hadley at the time. I had been working in Hadley, and I was working in a rural kind of area, so every day I was out there walking the land and gathering elderberries and, you know, a very very close relationship to the land, but I had no idea that there was a witch of Hadley. So I started to look into it. I, I found out she was buried um, there, and I walked to the cemetery and tried to find her grave, and I couldn't find it. There was one tombstone that was defaced, was chipped off, and I have a suspicion that might be hers. But um, because I couldn't find her grave, I went to a big tree. There's a huge oak tree in the old part of the cemetery, and I asked the tree to please, uh, you know, I brought a rose with me, and I, I put the rose at the base of the tree, and I said, please tell Mary that, this is for her. I I talk to the spirit. I'm a druid. Okay, that's what we do. But, but right. um, yeah. But anyway, that was all I could do. So then I started looking into it, and then I discovered there was a witch of Northampton, and then I discovered that that the first accused witch, you know, because everybody knows about Salem, and because of uh, the Crucible, and mm-hmm. everybody hears about Salem. But Salem was, first of all, it was just the last gasp of this. 2,000-year awful history. The people in Salem, after they killed everybody, they were so ashamed of themselves. Um, you know, they felt terrible about it. They they paid restitution to the families. And I have a, my sense is that one reason why Massachusetts is so liberal is we're still recovering from that episode. It was so horrific that we bend over backwards to try to be you know, open and tolerant and accepting, most of us. 
Um, and I think it goes back to that. But anyway, that's just my idea. That, well, that's so, fascinating. I, I really that am impressed makes, with what you said. Yeah. It does make sense. Yeah. It makes yeah. a lot of sense that there's that kind of a, a specter hanging over Massachusetts because of this, because it it, it came out of such hysteria and in such a bad place. So, yeah, that, you know, that really rings true, Ellen. Mm-hmm. It does. So any, so anyway, then I I found out the very first accused witch in New England was in Springfield, and and I yeah. actually interviewed one of her descendants in the book, who happens to be an atheist, and he thinks Wicca is pretty <laughs> silly. <laughs> but, anyway, um, but he's in the book, Stephen Dunn. Yeah. Um, yeah, unconsciously and, he drew away, huh? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but but he's Checking very proud of his no. ancestor. I mean, you can tell he's really into his ancestors, you know. So so anyway, there were there were over three hundred accused witches in New England, and you know, like I said, Salem was just the last gasp of this horrific episode. But thank goodness, you know, they were wise enough to realize that it was you know not to continue that. They you know they realized it was a terrible thing to do. And it, I mean, it continued in Europe uh, for a while. The last witch that I could find that was killed was in um, 1997 in Russia, I believe. Oh, wow. Yeah. So anyway, I document that. um, That's very recent, yes. But Mm. now that witches, one of the things that we found from interviewing witches through the years on our show is that there's so many different ways of practicing witchcraft. That Mm -hmm. was a real eye-opener for us, that there's just so many different ways. Some people are members of Coven, some people are not. They like to Mm -hmm. practice solo. I mean, if you could tell us a little bit about what you you found out about magical practice and the differences, that would be interesting. Yeah, remember when I said the difference between a druid and a witch? Um, The witch was a law unto herself. And the the path of witchcraft and the path of druidry also, but the path of witchcraft is a mystical path to the divine, just like any religion. And the witch finds the divine in all things, whether it's the earth, the fire, the water, the air, the animals, the trees, and druids exactly the same, you know. Um, so... Ultimately, that's what it is. It's it's not. I mean, there's. You go through a phase when you're young, I think, and inexperienced, where you think, "Ooh, I want to do magic," you know, and and so right. you start thinking, "How can I have power?" You know, what yeah. what bones do I have to have, and what herbs, and what color candles, yes. and you know, that's what right. what scents do I wear, and. Um, you know, what's the phase of the moon and what day of the week? And, you know, you go through that phase, and it's a phase. <laughs> and and teenagers love that because teenagers feel very vulnerable and powerless. And so young boys love to, they think they're going to get power and, and girls. And, you know, it it's, but that's, I think that's a very beginner level, you know, and then you get over it. <laughs> and... <laughs> And as you get older, you have a more direct relationship. So you walk outside the door, and you happen to notice which way the wind is blowing, you know, which direction is it coming from. Um, or an animal walks in front of you. Oh, yeah, I know what that means, you know. And, but you don't, you don't 
you don't plan it. You don't have to think about it. You just go out and you you meet the divine in all things. You know, you stare into a a stream and you get a vision. You soften your eyes and and you look between the the water and the air and all of a sudden you get a picture. You know, things like that. You you just are the magic. Instead of trying to make magic, you are the magic at a certain point. So, you know, like like any religion and it is a, I think it is a religion. I mean, any time you have regular holy days, you have gods mm-hmm. and goddesses. <laughs> you know, that's a religion. That's a religion to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. What were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> well, we were talking about the With different the gods practices and goddesses and, and the religion. Yes, and that you were right. and and have explained that there is really the, the witch is a, a law unto herself. So right. That, so again, oh yeah yeah yeah. So you said you said you noticed that everybody does it differently. So the witch yes. being a law unto herself, if she's a real witch, not just a kid who's playing around with tarot cards or something, but a real witch, she has the strength. She knows that she creates her own path. She defines her own reality. She is self-actualized. And you know, back in the day, that was the most terrifying thing to have a woman or a man, mm-hmm. but especially if it was a woman, oh my God, <laughs> you know, like, who, yeah. who, you know, wasn't cowed and wasn't humble and wasn't following orders, but was paying attention to her own self, her own guidance, her own wisdom. That's the exact opposite of what you're taught in church. Church says, you have to p- listen to the priest because only the priest can interface with God. You can't. And the witch said, oh, no, God is everywhere. And so is God, right. you know. And mm-hmm. so we don't need you to tell us what and to do. And we don't need you. I mean, we'll, we go to church. Witches, most witches were Christians nominally. You know, they go to church. But, you know, I talked to a strega. The strega are the Italian witches, right? So I talked to the strega, and she said, Ellen, she said, in Italy, um, and I don't know if you've ever been to Italy. I have. I, I studied mm-hmm. art history for six months in Rome. But anyway, she said, you see these these old ladies dressed in black, and they go into the church, and they light a candle in front of the statue of Mary. Do you know what they're really doing? <laughs> they're praying to Diana. <laughs> they're going, <laughs> Yeah, that's what they're doing, and they're wearing the horns around their neck, you know, and and they just, it, I mean, it never died. That's the mo- that's the most beautiful thing is that after all the persecution, the torture, the mayhem, the ugliness, you know, the stupidity that went on century after century, it didn't die, it didn't go away, and it's coming back with a vengeance. You know, and I just, I just hope, my hope is that it doesn't turn again because I, I really think people are people, and and what I hope that that people get from this book, read the book, look at what happened throughout history, and be smart enough to distance yourself when you hear a demagogue telling you what group you're supposed to hate, or who you're supposed to be afraid of, you know, yeah, take a few steps back. Yeah, yeah. it's waste. never a good idea to waste. get involved in, in that right. kind of thing. So, yeah, that's and it's a it's a wonderful message that your book 
has based on the history too. I mean, it's it's a beautiful religion. I think it's very close in a lot of ways to Native American tradition. I know there have been parallels drawn that way, and I think it's uh, it's also it's an and you think about the new psychology where you take responsibility for yourself, you take responsibility for creating your own reality. I mean, the real witches, they knew that just hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Right. But so, that's, everybody was terrified of that. You know, that was yeah. the scariest, scariest thing was somebody living by their own law, you know. Yes. Yes, mm-hmm. it was it was terrifying, I'm sure, because they were all playing with, a, you know, you have to be allegiant to the king and you have to be, you know, on our side and there are sides and, and all of that kind of thing. So to be a witch back then would have given you some freedom that they just didn't want you to have. Yeah, and then also the, the witches who were working with the common people, um, they were the herbalists, they were the midwives. I mean, mm-hmm. midwives really got it. They were, you know, because the midwives had an incredible amount of power. Um, women would call on them, you know, in childbirth, but they would also go to them for contraception and abortion and all kinds of things, mm-hmm. um, just as a way to to control their life. You know, if you were poor and you had five kids and all of a sudden you're pregnant again, or if there's a war going on and there's no food and you're pregnant again, you know, there's a lot right. of reasons why women uh, don't want to be pregnant. And throughout history, women have always known how to deal with that, you know. And and the witch, who was the midwife and the herbalist, uh, knew how to deal with these things. And And that became a big issue after the Black Death, when the population was so low that all of a sudden the peasants had lots of land and um, the the nobles couldn't find workers and, you know, you couldn't have people aborting. You, could, you couldn't have midwives running around showing women how to control their reproduction. You know, so that was one thing. Um, the other thing was uh, the, the church, of course, was male-dominated and the medical profession, as it got going, was male-dominated. And then they saw that these women were the ones that, you know, that everyone was looking to. The grandmothers, who traditionally the grandmothers had the best cures because they'd lived long enough to see what actually worked. And so people would turn to the old woman uh, for, what do I do if I have this terrible fever? What do I do if I have this stomach ache? And the grandmother knew what to do. Well, the doctors didn't like that because that was their competition. Yeah, they still don't. But but luckily, yeah, again, what was really important is that people's consciousness has evolved enough to know that if they want to be healthy, then they have to take responsibility for the lifestyle choices they make, the foods they eat, and really bring themselves to a whole level of health. Now, at that level, the doctor becomes a partner rather than... Mm-hmm. Somebody, uh, what do they say that MD stands for? Minor deity. Uh, so the doctor is no longer a minor deity. The doctor is now a partner. He's a team player, he or she. And it's a very different experience of your own health care when you approach it that way. And I think it's 
it's there for a lot of people. But for some people, what I see is the same old, same old. They like to turn everything over. Where's the magic pill? They go to their doctor yep. to get yeah. the prescription. Yeah, and the those longer people, I live, you know, the ones I'm somebody, that'll be sick forever. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm getting, I could be a grandmother. I'm not, but I, but I definitely could be. I'm at that age. You know, I could be one of those grandmothers. But people need to really be aware that when you go to a doctor and they give you a drug, they recommend a pill or a drug, um, really pay attention to the side effects. Mm-hmm. Because well, then, sure. yeah, it becomes yeah, a hamster wheel. You take one pill, and you have to take a couple more to get rid of the side effects of the first one. So, again, a lot of people have become so informed, and I love seeing that, whether it's from a religious perspective or whether it's from a health perspective. It all comes to the same place of are you going to take responsibility for the quality of your own life and your own journey of enlightenment? So that's what I see the real witches did way back when, um, and they were they paid for it sometimes with their lives, and yet they were the ones who were basically trailblazers when it came to uh, seeking mm-hmm. out consciousness. Yeah, it's it like I said, it's a path to enlightenment. It's a it's a mystical path. It's a path to union with the divine. You know, ultimately, that's what it is. But instead of going out of yourself, instead of looking to some deity up in the sky, you're looking within. I mean, you could have a god or a goddess that you are partners with, friends with, family with, um, but you recognize that you have the divine within yourself also. Yes, which, which again, that's where a lot of our... Uh spiritual psychology has come to today and but again there's still some people out there that are on the lazy side and they want it done for them or they want the magic pill and i understand that but at the same time again the price is 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 so high whether it's Mm -hmm. a medical uh, a pharmaceutical that you're taking instead of working with yourself and understanding where all this is coming from from a health perspective and a spiritual perspective or again it it just it's frustrating at times for us, for PK and I, when we see people not willing to take this kind of, of thing seriously and know that you can be powerful just by knowing yourself. Right. And, and with the witches also, you, you talked about, you know, being the herbalist for the town and for the community. And that's something we're coming back to again. When you see people dealing with Lyme disease, you know, some of the people coming out today are saying it, it's not going to be cured by a pharmaceutical. You have to go back to the basics, have to go back to what herbs we can take. A Dr. Rawls, who is a Lyme sufferer himself, he, was, he put a whole herbal package together for this. So, it's, mm-hmm. you know, I'm seeing this, we're all seeing this, I think, coming to another place where we have larger groups of people that want to know. They they really want to be informed uh, about their own spirituality, their own spiritual connection, their own divinity, and also their own health and everything that goes with it. It's nice to see that movement. Mm-hmm. Ellen, do you think that uh, there's one uh, group of people that are more into this than another? I should say one nationality that's more involved than another, or is is it across the board pretty pretty even? That's into what? What are we talking about? And, oh, 
into uh, witchcraft and oh, finding um, the aspect Well, of- I mean, witches are being persecuted right now in Africa and also Saudi Arabia. Um, so it seems to be everywhere. But, I mean, there, there are active witch burnings happening right now in Africa. And Good back Lord. when Ted Kennedy uh, was alive, I wrote a letter to him, and he actually responded. <laughs> but um, oh there was God. a woman in Saudi Arabia who was in jail for being a witch, and she was about to be executed. And um, I asked him if he would look into it and please try to do something. And he said he would. Uh, I don't know what the outcome was. I never could find out whether she was killed or not. But uh, it's there are witches everywhere. Um, but what about South America? I mean, it seems to be more accepted, doesn't it, in the South American traditions? Oh, you mean okay, brujas? <laughs> well, yes. yeah. There's yeah. You mean like the botanicas and um, yes, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, right. yeah, santeria, uh, all that. Yes, it is. It yeah, it's a whole different thing. Um, I, Actually, I interview, uh, there's a guy, a brujo, that I interview in the book, uh, Sanquista Luis Brujo. Um, And uh, I think he's a santero. I'm not sure that he comes out and says it, but he's a santero. Yeah, it's very much. And and then you have voodoo. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's everywhere. (laughs) It's everywhere. What would you think (laughs) is the most, uh, well, I don't want to say, what which of the group would you say has the most power, if that's possible? Are they pretty much across the board, or is there one group that's more power, powerful than another? What, what do you mean by group? Well, you, the Santeria, or you're talking about the different aspects. Which one has, is there one that seems to have more power than another group? Um, okay, I'm not sure what you mean by power. Do you mean power to do magic, or do you mean power in numbers, or what do you mean by power? Well, uh, power with magic and to, to bring, shall we say, the group to them would, will that would emerge as uh, a larger choice. Oh, I, I assume it's the Santeros. Um, we, years ago, if you remember, do you remember Green Egg Magazine? <laughs> it still exists. Oh, gosh. It it's does? Around. Oh, my. Oh, yeah, it's online now, though. <laughs> really? It's not print anymore. But many, many oh, years wow. ago, Green Egg did a survey, and um, only 2% of pagans, most people most people consider themselves to be Wiccan or pagan. There's 2% is everybody else. So that would include the Druids, the Asatru, the Egyptians, you know, any mm-hmm. other tradition. There's only 2%. So there aren't very many of us. Um, The one survey that was done of Druids, this was many years ago, they estimated 33,000 Druids in the entire United States. Uh, There's about a million witches or Wiccans that we can point to. Um, So that's, I mean, we don't have that much power because there aren't that many of us. But um, Santeros, I, I, I believe... And I wish you would ask a Santero, but, but I believe that, that they would probably have the most power. I mean, there are indigenous uh, South American shamanic um, practitioners, you know, the, the ones that work with ayahuasca. Um, 
the ones that are associated with the different um, tribal religions, you know, there are all those. And then Santeria is kind of a blend of Christianity with Native American um, religion with maybe a tiny bit of African thrown in. Voodoo is African mm-hmm. with Christianity thrown in. I mean, it's like, um, there's a lot of people out there doing a lot of stuff. You know what surprised me, Ellen, also, is we've had some uh, Native Americans on the show who are, uh, have shamanic training. And one of them, uh, remember Michael PK? He was an apprentice with Mad Bear Anderson. And he mm-hmm. talked a lot about how Native Americans use witchcraft. And I was very surprised to hear that. Mm-hmm. But oh, yeah. I guess and it, they're also they're terrified of witches. I mean, it, witches have a very bad reputation in many Native American groups. I mean, there is no such thing as one Native American anything, you know, but um, I hear that people are terrified of witches on a lot of the reservations. Hmm. And, well, and there are practitioners of it right within their tribes, and mm-hmm. that's what Michael was sharing with us, which, again, mm-hmm. surprised the heck out of me. I had no idea. Uh, but that uh, that apparently, and also that there was uh, native a Native American that we um, we talked about the Oklahoma Girl Scout murders, and that there was witchcraft, mm-hmm. very dark stuff used uh, in involving that particular crime and the cover up of the crime. So it again, it was shocking to me to learn that information. But it does make sense. I mean, witchcraft has been around for a very long time. So why wouldn't it be uh, in in some of these other ancient cultures as well? So again, it's just there's so many differences here, and so many different magical practices, different names, different covens. But one of the questions I just got that came through, somebody's asking, well, if you want to become a witch, and we've had this question before, but we're going to ask you now, what do you do? Do you search out a well, coven? Do you search uh, out okay, a person? In the back I mean, how of the do you book, do this? All right, in the back of the book, um, of course, this is a book about New England, right? But I have a list of yep. websites, okay? It goes Connecticut, Maine, Massachusetts, um, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, Vermont. And I have websites uh, where you can go to get training. And then I have a, a section of basic books. What I did was I asked... Um, the most reputable elders that I knew in the craft, and I said, if you had to recommend five books or three books, what would it be? So there's a short list, and I'm, uh, I have um, Stuart Farrar's book, What Witches Do, A Modern Coven Revealed. Then there's uh, Dana Eiler's Pagans and the Law, Understanding Your Rights. That's very important for you know, people who um, get in trouble at work because they're wearing a pentagram or they're they're in the middle of a divorce and their spouse wants custody because they're a witch. You know, that's a, that's a great little book, um, which you can show to a lawyer because she has all the precedents in there. Um, then I have Hopman, Ellen Everett, Being a Pagan, Druids, Wiccans, and Witches Today, which is another <laughs> book of interviews that I did, but there's a lot of witches in there and there's a lot of websites in there. Um, Paul Hewson's book, Mastering Witchcraft, A Practical Guide for Witches, Warlocks, and Covens. 
Uh, Ronald Hutton's The Triumph of the Moon, A History of Modern Pagan Witchcraft, which I highly recommend. Very interesting book. Um, Charles Leland's Aradia, The Gospel of the Witches, which is a real classic. Um, Timothy Roderick, Wicca, A Year and a Day, 366 Days of Spiritual Practice in the Craft of the Wise. And that gives you something to do every day of the year. And Doreen Valiente's Where Witchcraft Lives. So if you so read all those books. Of, yeah, hmm? you could read them and you could begin a practice just on your own. You could do that on your own. And then I have all these different websites listed where you could go. And witchfox.com, by the way, is the largest um, spiritual site on the web. And it's witchbox.com. It's it's a pagan site. It's the largest site. And you can uh, look up your state, where wherever you live, and um, you can find groups that are posting, you know, celebrations and teaching and uh, pagan pride days. Pagan pride is a good place to go. Go to um, the pagan pride website. And I don't know if, I mean, Pagan Pride is usually in September, I think, but there might still be some Pagan Prides going on. They, they happen in just about every city. And Pagan Pride Day is, um, there's usually a lot of vendors, there's different traditions, there's speakers. Uh, it's a good place to meet people. Um, you know, public There's a lot of resources. There's a lot of oh, resources yeah, available. I'm amazed which at how much great. is available. Yeah, me yeah. too. Well, that's terrific for people that are really interested in this, and then they can have the experience and see if they want to commit to a practice or see who they they feel um, simpatico with. They want to join. Yeah, I mean that's important. Don't don't just don't just go with the first group that you meet. Try to try to. Uh, meet a, a number of different people and check out different groups because one group might resonate with you very well and another group might not. Yeah. And now but, the other thing, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, do you have any listeners in New England? I don't know where your listeners oh, yes. are. Oh, yeah. We have listeners we in have Russia and China and Japan and all over the, and most of our listeners are from North America. So, yes, we're everywhere. But Here's another question I have for you. I've noticed with a number of witches that I've met, uh, a lot of them have changed their name. So it's they have chosen another name. Can you talk a little bit about why and what the tradition is with that? Um, I think it's it go, kind of goes along with initiation, uh, feeling like you've crossed a threshold, you've become somebody else, you've transformed. You know, mm-hmm. you've you've been a chrysalis. Now you're a butterfly, or you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> and that yeah, comes with a new name. Okay, a new name. Yeah, but I, I wanted the reason I asked if you had uh, listeners elsewhere is because coming up uh, Sunday, October 21st in Nashua, New Hampshire, there's a I'm going to be at this event called Celebrate Salon, and it's at the Courtyard Marriott in Nash- Nashua. 2200 Southwood Drive starts at 10 a.m. Oh, so that'd be a and, great event yeah, people, for people in New England. Yeah, definitely. Is that is that one day or two days? How many days is it, that? It's one day, but it's large. It's in a hotel. It's very big. 
there are going to be a lot of witches there and druids, <laughs> you know, and, and then there's PantheaCon on the West Coast uh, in San Jose. If anybody's listening from California, that's in February. I highly recommend that one, PantheaCon. That's wonderful that there's good to know. Yeah, there's so many opportunities for people to go and get familiar with the craft. And speaking about familiars, let's talk about familiars. Because I just had a question come across about that. So what exactly is a familiar? And do people still work with familiars in witchcraft today? Well, I'm not a witch, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm from sure what you I don't understand, want to do. so many. <laughs> familiars are, are, are animals usually that that you have a, a special affinity with. And I don't know. I mean, so, I have cats. You know, having I, all I can talk about is my cats. You know, and I think having animals around is important um, because they have a different way of understanding the world. They are nonverbal, so just hanging out with an animal that closely, having it around you all the time, uh, puts you in a nonverbal space. You know, mm-hmm. makes you more intuitive. Um, I don't know. Are you? Are you? Do you have familiars? <laughs> I have two dogs, but they're like my little babies. I love them more than anything. I don't think of them as familiars. I just think of them as my kids. But they're so cute. <laughs> they are they adorable. Are I just want to squeeze them all the time. But in well, terms you know, of the, the in the um, in the Middle Ages, old women with cats were that was another reason that you could be accused of being a witch. And oh, you're you know. No, I mean, imagine no, you're, you're a widow, a you're enough. an old woman, wow. you're living alone, you've, and so you have some cats that you love, <laughs> right? And they would look at you oh, and yeah. you must, must be a witch, you know? so stupid. My God, Amazing. it's such an ignorant thing to do. But again, your book is full of great information, and it really opens the door on a world that a lot of people have a lot of curiosity about. Mm-hmm. And and so I we love how you pulled it together, Ellen, with the history, with Europe, with North America. I mean it's a it's a wonderful book that really gives a lot of insight to to everything about being a witch. So we highly recommend the book to anybody in our audience who would would like to have this experience. It's a great way to get familiar with it and See if it's for you. It may very well be. You'd be joining a lot of other people, I guess, who are leaving their traditional religions and seeking spirituality elsewhere. Now, one other thing, Ellen, you know, there's a lot of rumors and there's a lot of truth also about the Catholic Church basically stealing a lot from the pagan religion. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and there's also rumors mm-hmm. about what's underneath the Vatican, what they've really covered up. Is mm-hmm. there's a lot of pagan uh, statuary symbolism uh, books? That well, they haven't away. covered it up. You go to the no, you go to the Vatican and the statues are everywhere. It's they haven't covered it up. It's right there. Oh, the gods, the goddesses underground. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true, underground. Under, I mean, it's it's perfectly it's not in something the open. underneath it. Yeah, there's there's the open yeah. stuff, and then there's supposed yeah. to be. Something even more startling underneath the Vatican. So, well, if you if you want to understand uh, Catholicism, you read the Egyptian Book of the Dead, and it'll blow your mind because 
the Egyptian Book of the Dead has the Day of Judgment, it has Purgatory, it has the Holy Family, which is Isis, Osiris, and uh, baby Horus, who just happens to be born on December 25th, <laughs> right? Know, hanging right, in a tree. Yeah. Um, but all that yeah. stuff, that, that's all Egyptian religion, all of that. Mm. Day of Judgment, Purgatory, yeah, Holy Family, Trinity, mm. the Trinity, Ra, Boston, yeah. Sekhmet, uh, Isis, Osiris, Baby Horus, that's all Egyptian. And then the holidays that they had, the big holidays are all pagan holidays that they took. So, yeah, that's true. It's, yeah, mm-hmm. it's fascinating. Well, old is new again. That's, <laughs> that's one way of putting it, that's for sure. Well, let's hope we don't repeat these horrible things in history yet again. Oh, I hope and I know, too. Ellen, you've done a great job alerting us to to these things. So let's hope that we've raised our consciousness even more by having you on the show tonight. And I want to thank you again. This has been a pleasure having you on the show with us. Thank you so much. And we well, want to have you for Thank yeah, you, you're so welcome. Book. We're going to be having you back for sure with your new books. Yeah, you know, you've got all mm-hmm. these things planned, and we want to have you back to tell our audience all about it. So once again, thank you. And next week, everybody, we are bringing back the most powerful physical medium that we know. Kai Mugi is coming to join us all the way from Germany, and he's going to be talking to us about physical mediumship and some of the things he's been doing lately absolutely Extraordinary. So we will have Kai with us next week. The week after, we've got Bloody Mary, Voodoo Queen, coming to join us. Super guest. So be sure to check us out. And until then, everyone, we will see you on the Blue Highway. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural Girl. Something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.